There's a lot of stuff going on. We, we talked about a new secret court that was was brought together under executive order by Joe Biden. We don't know anything really about it. We read the most cryptic story from Politico on today's podcast. I, I don't think I, I I don't think I know any more than I did after reading the headline. There's a secret court. It's doing something. It's involved with intelligence gathering on Europeans and Americans. That's really all we know. Um, and they are keeping it that way. The, the Justice Department won't even tell us if the court is operating. We're not allowed to know where the court is. Uh, but the good news is, the I think it's five justices. They all have, you know, uh, former intelligence backgrounds. So that's really, really super great. Except for um, uh, Eric Holder, and he's the guy who's the, the head judge on that. So this is all going to work out really great. Um, when are we going to take our country back? Well, election. But there's some poll numbers out that show Trump is growing stronger and stronger. There is another poll that came out today that shows with one caveat. Find out about it in today's podcast. Brought to you by uh, Preborn. One of these days, maybe in our lifetimes, it's possible we'll see the abolition of abortion and everyone will know that abortion is a horror show, that it is the actual murder of children. History books of our future will write about the generational trauma, the breakdown of families, the destruction of basic morality, and how one day it came to the end. But for now, we're still in that historical era. We're still now the ones fighting it. We can't just sit back and hope. We have to do something. The Ministry of Preborn stands every day for the helpless among us. And they they don't attack people. They don't call them names. They actually help women who are pregnant or thinking about an abortion. They get them an ultrasound free. That's a $28 expense for the Ministry of Preborn. People are taking care of that. So they get this free ultrasound, they see and hear the baby, and then they say, I'm so alone though, I don't have the resources. And they say, we're here for you for the next two years with baby clothes and and food and whatever you need. This is amazing what they're doing, saving lives every day, one ultrasound at a time. $28 to save a life. Just dial pound 250, say the keyword baby, pound 250 keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Glenn. That's preborn.com slash Glenn. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Oh, where do we start? Let me start with some good news. May I? Uh, The New York Stock Exchange has withdrawn a rule that some have said would have illegally implemented a radical environmentalist agenda and harmed national security. Yesterday, the New York Stock Exchange announced that it would be withdrawing a proposed rule to the Security and Exchange Commission that would have created a listing entity called Natural Asset Company. A natural asset company would be empowered to control private and public lands by capturing the intrinsic and productive value of nature. And they'd be able to block things like logging, herding, 
uh, having cattle, growing things, having people on the land, and, of course, drilling. The proposed rule was opposed by a coalition of over 2,000, or sorry, two dozen uh, Republican attorneys general and state financial officers who warned that the rule would be used to push liberal, liberal political agendas. Republicans also said that so foreign entities would be able to purchase and control what happens on public lands and private lands by designating it an NAC. It's Marlo Oaks and this audience that I believe get the credit. Marlo Oaks brought this. He's the Utah Republican treasurer. He brought this to my attention, uh, what, right before Christmas? And they were supposed to decide on January 2nd, you mobilized, you called your senators and your, uh, you know, your state officials and government officials in Washington, and they acted. Um, I, again, another huge, huge win caused by you. So thank you for everything that you have done. Now, let's keep our eye on them because the New York Stock Exchange withdrew the rule. They didn't want to get ruled against, so they withdrew their application. And uh, let's see if they repackage it in any way. Keep your eye on this. Now, there's a couple of stories here that I find eh, puzzling and interesting. Two Navy SEALs were lost at sea. You don't hear that very often, but it happens. Two U.S. Navy SEALs were lost at sea on a mission targeting Iranian weapons and the deliveries to the Houthis in Yemen. Uh, The nighttime mission ended with the seizure of a small sailing boat that was transporting advanced lethal aid to the Yemeni rebel groups as part of its campaign uh, of attacks against international merchant shipping. The SEALs had been reported missing in the days following the mission. The SEALs had been reported missing in the days following the mission, which took place on the 11th of January off the coast of Somalia. Its purpose had not been revealed when it was announced. The two SEALs are still lost at sea. Now, let me ask you something. They're continuing an exhaustive search for our missing teammates. They were on this uh, interdiction mission. They were climbing onto this sailboat when, according to the Pentagon, one was knocked off by the high waves. The second seal then jumped in after the first following protocol. And they're both missing presumed dead. Now, let me just point out a couple of things that even I know about Navy SEALs. First of all, they're pretty good swimmers. They, as part of their training, have to tread water for like two hours. It's some crazy amount of time that they're just dumped out into the ocean. They, they, you know, they're thrown out of an airplane and then they're dumped out in the ocean and they have to tread water. So they're good at treading water. But here's the craziest thing. They also have little beacons on their suits. So if they're lost at sea, we can find them because they have a little tracking beacon on their suit. Now, maybe 
they weren't wearing that tracking beacon? Maybe these were the two Navy SEALs that can't tread water? But I'd like more information. And I'd also like our president to even acknowledge that we lost two Navy SEALs. It'd be nice. Could we? Could we acknowledge that if they were lost on a mission? I have no idea what happened. And it could be exactly the way the government is reported. But I'm sorry. The purveyor of mis- and disinformation, the largest global purveyor of fake information, is the United States government at this point. I don't trust a damn thing they say. And you shouldn't. Let me give you this story. This broke yesterday uh, from The Blaze. Blaze Media can now reveal that the person who discovered the pipe bomb at the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C. on January 6th was a United States Capitol Police plainclothes officer. Now, let me, ref- let me refresh you on this. There were two pipe bombs that were found on January 6th. The FBI, with all of their resources, all of the surveillance video, cannot find who. Who planted those bombs? Luckily, one was found by a passerby, the first one, at the RNC headquarters. Some woman apparently ran in and said, I think there might be a pipe bomb in the alley. And they were like, oh, we've got to call the police. The police came and said, yes, it's a pipe bomb. But it didn't go off. In fact, the details that we have show that it probably wasn't really designed to go off, but it had like that kitchen timer. Then, just a few minutes later, another passerby was walking by a park bench right in front of the DNC headquarters, and they spotted what they thought was a pipe bomb. And so they immediately ran in and said, hey, I think I found a pipe bomb, and the Secret Service freaked out. They went out, and then they started, they gathered that pipe bomb. They're like, look, John, it is a pipe bomb. And the other guy was like, Tom, that's crazy. I wonder who put that there. Should we get the vice president out? No, let's leave her inside. Okay, so, so far, I've got quite a tale, I'm telling you. Now, let me add something else. Um, All of the text traffic and all of the, um, the diary, if you will, that the Secret Service keeps on January 6th, it was all accidentally deleted. Damn it. Did I push delete? I didn't mean to do that. I deleted all of it. Ah, oh, crap. So they can't tell us exactly what happened. They can't tell us exactly why Kamala Harris left she was at the Capitol waiting for the, um, you know, waiting for the, you know, the, the vote on the, the presidency to finalize that. She was supposed to be there. Remember, she's a member of the Senate, too. She's the tiebreaker. But she was suddenly called away, and nobody can recall why. And she had to go to the DNC headquarters. Why? We don't know. Probably something very important, though. 
And so the Secret Service rushed her in, got her in. They did a check of the whole area. They didn't find a pipe bomb. But this passerby, who just is a passerby, he found a pipe bomb. Secret Service couldn't. But the passerby found it because it was sitting right there in a way that it looked like it was meant to be discovered. Well, we've tried to find out who this guy is, this passerby, this innocent guy who had a sharp eagle eye and found that sitting on the sidewalk right in front of the park bench all by himself. Found out who he was. Um, He was a D.C. Metro police officer. Now, why wouldn't the D.C. Uh, or Capitol uh, police officer, why wouldn't everyone want you to know that it was a police officer that found that instead of just a passerby? It would lend more credibility, wouldn't it, Stu? It wasn't just some, some old lady that's like, I think that's a pipe bomb. It's got a timer on it. No, no, no. This is a credible, this is a D.C. cop. Right. Like you can see a couple of officers sitting there. Some random person comes up, maybe not appearing credible. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a bomb over there. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks, sir. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. But if it's a D.C., or, uh, it was Capitol Police Officer, right? Capitol uh, Police yeah. Officer, plain clothes. Yep. You'd think, okay, well, this person's very credible. We better get the vice president out of here immediately. Right. Now, here's what happened. We now know that the United States Capitol Police plain clothes officer walked by, just happened to look down there on the sidewalk, and there was the pipe bomb. So he walked a full 20 feet to the SUV of the Secret Service. And he knocked on the passenger window and then talked to him for a while and then casually walked around to the driver's side and they rolled it down and they talked some more. And what he said was, hey, right over there, about 20 feet from where we're sitting, I found a pipe bomb. Now, Secret Service, what do they do? Of course, they jump out. They call the bomb squad. They get one of those little robot things to pick it up so it doesn't go off and kill somebody. And they get the the first thing they do is they get Kamala Harris away from the area. It's 20 feet away from her motorcade. Whoa, what a close call that was. Except that's not what they did. They left Kamala Harris in the building, and, um, you know, before they took a look at that pipe bomb, they finished their lunch in the car. I mean, do we know where the lunch came from? I mean, sometimes they're, Look, dude, it's hot. I I mean, I've had cold lunches all week. This is the only time we've had to eat our lunch while it's still hot. And if it could be something like off the Taco Bell craveable menu. Could be. It just could be something so delicious. Could they were like, be. Eh. But there it was, 15 to 20 feet away from the bomb, and they, they fed their face first. It's weird. It is weird. It's a weird decision. Yeah. And uh, a weird that the, the Capitol Police and the uh, congressional hearings didn't include the fact that that was a police officer. They just said it was a passerby. They could never get the name, never get the name, never get the name. Well, Blaze got the name, finally. We got the name. Haven't released the name yet. Oh, but it's coming. Hmm. Interesting. So another weird kind of thing that 
hasn't happened in my lifetime, has happened again. Wow, we've fallen into a wormhole. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Boy, are the intelligence agencies freaking out about Donald Trump. I heard an interview with uh, somebody from the intelligence agencies over in England, and they said Donald Trump being elected is a national security threat to England. Uh, and we needed to ponder that and uh, realize what's at stake here. Uh, excuse me? If all of the intelligence agencies and everybody is saying that this man is a threat to their countries, uh, do you, does anybody think that they're going to allow him? This is so dangerous. Who are these people to make these decisions instead of us? It is it's absolutely insane. Now, Donald Trump has a way to go, but he's 16 points ahead uh, of, uh, of Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. Don't know what's happening in South Carolina yet, but we happen to have somebody from South Carolina, South Carolina uh, State Representative uh, Adam Morgan. He is uh, with the um, Freedom Caucus there. He's actually the chairman uh, and... We uh, appreciate you coming on. I wanted to get you on. Hey, Glenn. I-, I wanted to get you on for a couple of reasons. One, do you have any idea what's going to happen uh, with the vote between Nikki Haley and and President Trump? I would predict a very similar outcome to Iowa. Okay. And I don't know that there's too much difference uh, with our values. Uh, I think uh, people here are very uh, pro-Trump. Uh, in my area, there's some a lot of people that I like to say this too. I, I'm not seeing much uh, uh, action or movement for Nikki at all. Huh. Um, okay, so Adam, you are part of the Freedom Caucus, and uh, I understand that the rhinos there are, are trying to thwart uh, anything that you guys are trying to do. They're, they're muzzling you guys. How? Yeah. Well, you know, you actually had me on the program uh, several months ago when yep. they kicked us out of Republican caucus right. over that loyalty pledge. They said we couldn't share pictures of the public voting board uh, with constituents because it made other Republicans look bad. They said we couldn't uh, endorse or campaign against other members, even if they did something illegal or immoral. Now, here we are months later, and one of the chairmen, a Republican, gets busted for telling lobbyists, give me campaign cash and I will move your bills out of committee. And he's currently being oh investigated gosh. and has been referred to, oh, yeah, referred to a prosecutor. He is still in House leadership. And no one that signed that pledge can call him out because they signed a crony, unprecedented pledge. Uh, but they kicked us out for not, uh, you know, not signing it. Well, then, just last week, they decide that since they can't silence us by kicking us out of their caucus, you know, their closed-door caucus meetings, they're going to change House rules to make it so that we can't offer amendments on the floor. Now, yesterday we took up the Help Not Harm bill, which is a bill that pro- uh, prohibits transgender surgeries on minors. And during that debate, they didn't have criminal penalties on, you know, for uh, physicians that do this. They didn't have reporting requirements for parents, for kids at school when they're transitioning and the parents aren't aware. All of our Freedom Caucus members, we offered a bunch of those amendments up and made them take hard votes. They actually voted down criminal penalties. And then Riley Gaines jumps in on Twitter and blast them all and says they all need to be primaried. Well, they do a 180 
they pull an amendment and they, it passes strong, makes it a felony, <laughs> all because of the Freedom Caucus amendments and because of the information to the public. Well, they want to change House rules now that we can't offer amendments. Literally, a playbook, like straight out of the Nancy Pelosi pe- playbook, they're going to remove uh, the ability to make motions on the floor, and they're going to make it so that the majority leader and minority leader get to handpick which amendments get heard on bills like Help Not Harm, Save Women's Sports, you know, Constitutional Carry, whatever it is. I mean, so it, it is literally a full-court press to silence and marginalize conservative members who will not go along to get along, won't sign their pledges, you know, won't uh, fall in line and accept weak, watered-down, token bills. Uh, you know, we're just done with that. There's so many, uh, I, I believe, so many conservatives across the country who are, are recently elected who are just, we're sick of the same old, same old. Like, we're going to fight, we're going to stand up, we're going to make them take hard votes, and when we do, we win. So what is, <laughs> wow, I, I mean, you guys have a constitution, don't you? I, I mean... Yeah, right. Yeah. We do. The thing is, so the, the thing is they can set house rules. So uh, thankfully, we actually got it beat uh, last week. We, a lot of grassroots got uh, focused on this. They heard about these rules and started calling their legislators, which I once again will urge anyone listening, if you're in the state of South Carolina right now, go to South, South Carolina House of Representatives, find your legislator and, and email them and, or call them and tell them, do not pass Nancy Pelosi rules that restrict the conservatives' ability to legislate. Like, I mean, you've got to do it, because really what I've learned in my time in office, the only way we really win is if the people are behind us. But you have to have, you know, you have, to have legislators who are willing to stand and make the fight and inform the public, and then you've got to have the public actually pressuring uh, the, the rest of the body to do what's right. And uh, so that, that's what we're doing. We're focused on that. We, you know, we amend legislation at every turn. Uh, and, and we've been so effective. Uh, the assistant majority leader, a Republican, uh, this, just this week went to a lobbyist special interest group on stage and urged them. They said, you've got to donate and recruit candidate, candidates against Freedom Caucus Republicans and get them out. They're crazy. They're too conservative. You need to help us get rid of these people. This is a Republican leader. And they, they spent $700,000 in attack ads in less than a year on my 17 members. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, it is, they're doing everything they can to stamp out the conservative movement in South Carolina. And yet we keep winning. And I, like I said, the, the way we're doing it is because of the people. And so we've got to get this information out there. Uh, that's why I'm so grateful for you and people like you who have these platforms that can help inform people and let them know about what's going on. Uh, I find this absolutely despicable, um, remarkable in some uh, aspects, but absolutely predictable with what the the GOP now represents. The GOP, yeah. I, I'm so sick and tired of hearing how we're radical when all yeah. <laughs> we want is constitutional rule. That's all we want. We'll yep. live with the vote of the people as long as it's yep. fair. We'll live with the vote of the people. We'll live with the process. You know, you take a vote. You disagree. But I am so sick and tired of being labeled a radical when all I want is a group of people to execute their oath of office and protect yep. and defend the Constitution of the United States and to actually represent the people. These people, yep. I, I'm telling you, both parties are so damn corrupt 
They get well, it's their a uniparty. They, yes, it is. It's an absolute <laughs> it, it uniparty. Absolutely. You know, at that same event I was talking about, the assistant majority leader says we need to raise money against these crazies. He's immediately echoed and followed by the minority leader of the Senate, a Democrat, who said, I couldn't agree more. You know, we got to get rid of these nuts. I mean, so you have literally Republican and Democrats agreeing we've got to get rid of the people who have passed Save Women's Sports, who have passed constitutional carry, who have, you know, we were the ones that did all the election integrity, the, the prohibition on vaccine mandates. Every one of those bills came from Freedom Caucus members. That's who they think's crazy. <laughs> you almost can't make it up, but the people, everyone knows that this is going on. The question is, what's the remedy? The remedy is we've got to have good, strong, principled, courageous people to run for office. And if you're listening right now and you live in the state of South Carolina, you need to consider running for office this cycle. You, you have overwhelming majority of members in the legislature who do not represent your values. They don't want to vote on the record. They don't want to, to change or fix things or do any work. And we've got to have a better quality of candidate. It's one of the reasons I'm running for Congress. I, like, I think the, the same thing is needed there. We need conservatives to run at all levels, the county, the state, the federal people who will go in and not just be all talk. Not just, you know, smile and say, oh, yeah, I'm a Republican. And I, I, you know, they, they actually say, you know what? I know what my principles and values are. I know what my constituents want. I'm going to use the office that I have to implement my worldview, the principles I hold dear, the constitutional principles that I know are rooted in truth, and I'm going to implement them in the world around me and defend what I hold dear. And we've done that. We've shut down a pediatric transgender clinic here in South Carolina. We sued uh, school districts that were blatantly teaching CRT when no one would do anything about it. My caucus sued, and we won both cases, and it's out of the schools. I mean, we, we, we win when you fight, but you have to have people who are willing to have the backbone and fight. And you need the people behind you. Uh, this yeah. <laughs> is this is our constitutional duty. This is what we are supposed to do as people. I know people say, I'm tired of calling them all the time. But that's how we got into this situation. We didn't pay attention. We didn't call. We weren't involved. And they knew that. And so yeah. this whole thing went corrupt. Our constitutional uh, duty is to be informed and to make your voice heard. So if you're in South Carolina, I want you to call your legislator and say, do not pass the Nancy Pelosi House Rules Bill. It's it's an abomination. When yeah. you are silencing representatives of people and you're not allowing them to say, I'd like to suggest uh, an amendment to this. I'd like to change this a little bit and suggest that. When you can't even allow them to speak, you know, you know you're on the losing side. Only the losing yeah. side does that. Uh, you're, you're, you're neutering the institution. Yes. I mean, you're literally silencing people who represent 700,000 South Carolinians. Amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for everything yeah, you well, guys do. So Anything that uh, anything that we can ever do for you guys in the Freedom Caucus, and I mean this countrywide, uh, you just let me know. Thanks, Adam. That's Adam Morgan. He is South Carolina State Representative and the uh, Freedom Caucus chairperson. Nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing. Nothing surprises me. You know, I was just looking up as we were doing this interview. I was looking up at one of the television screens from one of the you know networks. And they had uh, the gang of four up. 
the people that are making all the decisions. And you have Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. Then you have Hakeem Jeffries and Mike Johnson. Tell, tell me, maybe Mike, the jury, is still out on a little bit. I don't know. But the other three, what is the difference between them? Really, what is the difference between them? And they're the ones that are deciding what bills come up, if you can offer an amendment or not. That's not constitutional rule. There's no debate. When is the last time you heard people on the floor actually debate stuff? When? When was the last time you heard them go to the floor and say, hey, should we go to war or not? Your voice isn't being representative, represented, and you know this because your representative, most likely, like all of my representatives, say the same thing. Why am I even here? I don't have a voice. They don't, we're not voting on things. We're just, they shove a bill in our face, and we've got two hours to go over it, which is impossible, and then you vote for it. And if you don't, then you're going to be punished by the party. That is Soviet Union stuff. I urge you, he's exactly right. If you think at all right now when I say this, that you should run for office and you have a feeling in the pit of your stomach like, oh, crap, then run for office. Run for office. Know the Constitution inside and out and run for office. It's the only way this thing is going to be taken back. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. All right, I want to go through some of the uh, the the audio of what happened uh, yesterday. Well, first of all, let me just set this up. Here's John Kerry's daughter speaking on a panel at the uh, the World Economic Forum's Davos Summit. His daughter, which. It's like Judge Judy. What what does she think about things? Here she is trying to paint a picture of the climate crisis. Listen to her. I cannot think of a topic more urgent, actually, than the intersection of climate change and health. And I apologize that my back is to some folks. Um, The climate crisis is a health crisis, fundamentally. And that actually means it is a crisis, therefore, also of our stability, our security, our economic growth, and our fundamental future as a globe. When we think about it, health is fundamental to everything that we are trying to do. The country, like Zambia, is now shutting down its schools because of a cholera outbreak that is from increased rainfall. In, mal- in malaria is spreading in areas where it's been eradicated or removed in, in many of these countries. We are losing progress against our sustainable development goals. We have put billions of dollars towards those goals, and we're truly losing progress. We're now about to see the statistics of the deaths that we're seeing by 2050 is more than double what the statistics used to be. This is not a future problem, though. We always talk in future numbers. Mm -hmm. This is a problem happening here and now today. 2023 was an apocalyptic year in terms of extreme weather events and what we've seen happen. That is about to get worse. 
It's always going to get worse. It's always yeah. here. You, you know, it's so weird how often they have to convince people a global catastrophe is here. Yeah. Do you well, remember when they were like, you know, when Rudy Giuliani came out and said, no, guys, this is really bad. These buildings falling down is bad. You all have to understand. Why won't you pay attention to it? Remember when that happened? No, it didn't happen uh, that way. I don't uh, I don't recall that. So they're all freaking out. At the meantime, somebody's trying to bring some peace to the World Economic Forum yesterday. Cut to, please. Uh, this is. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, Elon Musk identified this person as uh, Elizabeth Warren. I'm not sure if that's right. She's wearing a mask, um, but she's she's praying and then she's blowing and spitting into her hands and rubbing them back and forth. And then she goes and she puts her hands on the heads of each of them. And then <laughs> coughs on them, which I, I kind of enjoy. I kind of enjoyed myself uh, that a group of people that were so freaked out by anybody coughing anywhere near them are now are now having some sort of a prayer ritual uh, uh, where you get coughed upon, which I think is very, uh, very, very nice. So that's the kind of stuff they were engaging in yesterday. All normal stuff. And then this crazy man comes up who's a radical, dangerous guy. Um, and his name is Malay. And he had something to say. He was just elected in Argentina. And he had some warnings for the World Economic Forum. Here we go. Cut three. The main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At one point, I counted six people applauding. Yeah. Wow. As many as six. This, is it the same person six times? It, or was it? <laughs> well, I'll leave that. I'm just going to leave that murky. Okay. Um, now, here he is um, giving an update to the definition of socialism. The West has unfortunately already started to go along this path. I know to many it may sound ridiculous to suggest that the West has turned to socialism, but it's only ridiculous if you only limit yourself to the traditional economic definition of socialism, which says that it's an economic system where the state owns the means of production. This definition in my view, should be updated in the light of current circumstances. Today, states don't need to directly control the means of production to control every aspect of the lives of individuals. With tools such as printing money, debt, subsidies, controlling the interest rate, price controls, and regulations to correct the so-called market failures, they can control the lives and fates of millions of individuals. This is how we come to the point where, by using different names or guises, a good deal of the generally accepted political offers in most Western countries are collectivist variants, whether they proclaim to be openly a communist 
communists, fascists, Nazis, socialists, social democrats, um, national socialists, democrat Christians, the Christian Democrats, neo-Keynesians, uh, progressive, populist, nationalists, or globalists. At bottom, there are no major differences. They all say that the state should steer all aspects of the lives of individuals. They all defend a model contrary to that one which led humanity to the most spectacular progress in its history. You know, we have said for a long time on this program, I've said for maybe 15 years, where is the next Lincoln? Where is the next Churchill? Where's the next even Kennedy? Where are they? We've been adrift with no leadership. Um, there are leaders popping up now. You know, Donald Trump, they hate him for a reason. They, they've, he was a big topic this week. He's a danger to the World Economic Forum and all of their plans. Well, wow, sign me up to vote for him right away. Can I vote twice? If I die, make sure I vote for Donald Trump twice, okay? Please, if I die, do not let me die voting Democrat. Um, this guy coming from Argentina, speaking this truth, is remarkable, remarkable. Who would have expected it from Argentina? Here he is on his warning. We are here to warn you about what can happen if the countries in the Western world that became rich through the model of freedom stay on this path of servitude. The case of Argentina is an empirical demonstration that no matter how rich you may be or how much you may have in terms of natural resources or how skilled your population may be or, or educated or how many bars of gold you may have in the central bank, if measures are adopted that hinder the free function of markets, free competition, free price systems, if you hinder trade, if you attack private property, the only possible fate is poverty. Mm. Cut seven, please. The market is a mechanism for social cooperation where you voluntarily exchange ownership rights. Therefore, based on this definition, talking about a market failure is an oxymoron. Mm. There are no market failures. If transactions are voluntary, the only context in which there can be a market failure is if there is coercion. And the only one that is able to coerce generally is the state, which holds a monopoly on violence. Consequently, if someone considers that there is a market failure, I would suggest that they check to see if the state in intervention involved. Jeez, he's clear. And it's interesting, you know, because that is that's just someone who really knows has put a lot of thought into uh, not mm -hmm. even conservative, let's say libertarian economic theory. Someone who really cares about it. I, I and he talks a good game. I hope this works. I I, I had that uh, as I was watching this speech, I had this this layer of fear fall over me <laughs> that if this doesn't work, what's going to get blamed? Oh. Yeah. It's go, it, the people it, in he's freedom. He's so these clear and so yeah. real and really believes this stuff, it seems. And that if this goes awry, if some of these reforms don't work or they are blamed, this is what happened in after the fall of the Soviet Union. You know, we had a real opportunity for capitalism to really just get rid of the stuff forever. 
And a lot of people went in there to ensure that capitalist transition did not work the way it was supposed to. Well, you've got oh. every you. These people are the enemy of all of the globalists, the people who are saying, mm. put your belief in the things that we know have worked time and time again and put your belief and your trust in the people, not these bloated institutions. They're the ones who screw things up. That that does work. It does work. We know it time and time again. It has worked all over the world. Oh, yeah. The problem is, is if the bad guys, the guys who don't want you to be free, the people that believe that they have to control everything, if if they are entrenched, like in our system, they are deep, deeply entrenched in this system, the deep state. If they can get their hooks in you, get their hooks in the system, uh, they can make sure that it doesn't succeed. But I will tell you. Um, as much as you think the deep state uh, could do that, if they could, they wouldn't be so worried about Donald Trump because they'd know we just thwart him. Nobody will ever know. They they have to. I, I'm telling you, I worry about assassination. I really worry about assassination. They have they have said in advance everything that they were going to do. They just said, this is what the Republicans are going to do. And then they did it. There's been one word missing from their warnings until the last couple of weeks, and that is assassination. You know, there's going to be somebody crazy on the right that I just, I hate to say it, but assassination might be in our future. Every time they start talking like this, it's because that's what they're about to do. Uh, And I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that's the pattern. I can't imagine anyone wanting to do that. I hope to God. There are crazy people out there that want to do things, and I pray for our Secret Service. I don't want any president, no matter how much I like or dislike, and I don't think Americans would be down with that. We don't do that. Of course not. I mean, it's just a... Such a dark time, and I think there's a lot of people out there just scared of everything, right? Yeah, and I, you know, it's understandable. And I don't think that the, uh, you know, I think this is the really crazy end of the spectrum. This is not, you know, your Democrats that would plan something. This is the crazy end who who have been convincing themselves that he is Hitler. And there is nothing else that can be done. Everything will be destroyed unless he's stopped. If he wins the election, if you actually believed that, and I don't know how many people actually believe that and how many are saying it because they, they know their world's going to be rocked. They can actually believe it. I, I, I think some of them do. I, I think some, I th- well, this is the problem. I'm talking about the people in power who say it. I don't think they actually believe he's Hitler. If they did, they would not empower his uh, opponents no. in primaries. No. Right? Like you, you, you would, you, that's the last thing. Excuse me, they would not uh, target uh, the, they would, they would instead try to help. Any, anything to beat yeah. him. I mean, they, they yep. say this over and over again. These people are Hitler, and then they're like, well, but we're going to run ads for them in the primary. Yeah. It's like, wait, well, Why that's would not you very that? consistent. So they yeah. must not believe it. But you do worry about that sort of rhetoric being put out there for a long period of time over a population. Uh, you know, God forbid.
Let me play one more clip uh, from uh, Malay. This is how he ended his speech yesterday, and he's speaking directly to you. Listen. Do not be intimidated, intimidated either by the political class or by parasites who live off the state. Do not surrender to a political class that only wants to stay in power and retain its privileges. You are social benefactors. You're heroes. You're the creators of the most extraordinary period of prosperity we've ever seen. Let no one tell you that your ambition is immoral. If you make money, it's because you offer a better product at a better price, thereby contributing to general well-being. Do not surrender to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonists of this story. And rest assured that as from today, Argentina is your staunch, unconditional ally. Thank you very much, and long live freedom. Damn it. Wow, long live freedom, damn it. That's amazing. You know, for the first time in listening to him yesterday, for the first time, I kind of felt like people must have felt behind the Iron Curtain when Reagan stepped up. And he said, you, you are the secret. You are the ones that will change the world. This is an evil empire and the wall needs to come down. When he was saying those things and they heard them, they must have had hope. This is this is going to be over. This is over. Maybe eventually this comes to an end. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And while we don't, we're not living in the Soviet Union. We are living in a different country than I've ever lived in, and our rights are going away faster and faster every single day. And when I was listening to him, I was like, "Wow, maybe maybe this does come roaring back. Maybe we're at the tip of something unbelievable." Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, we've had, look, we've gone, there have been periods where freedom has won out for a time and advanced. And we, we saw that and, you know, with Reagan back in that time, of course, saw it many times in our history before that. And maybe we'll, we'll hit that. It's hard, you know, it's, it's, it's always, it's always hard to be optimistic when things look bleak. But this is when the optimism, you know, winds up being right. Like you, you have to hit a bottom to turn it around. And yeah. maybe that's where we are. And you have to start seeing some leaders. That's been my biggest problem. Where are the global leaders? Where's anybody leading? Well, they're starting to pop up all around the world in unexpected places. Uh, and you know that they're you know that they're right because the global elites are scared crapless. Na, na, na. 